Blog Talk Radio. to the Donaldson Files here on the Tuesday edition. Uh, Coco Konsky is joining me, and we're going to talk the 4th of July, uh, and what she did, what I did, and kind of uh, get everybody's feelings what all happened. We are going to talk some crazy stories um, as well, and I'm going to ask a couple of stories who I want to get Coco's opinion on. Uh, one of them is, I'm not sure, Coco, if you heard this, Shakari Richardson was basically given a, I would say, told, you know, sit home for 30 days. You're not part of the Olympic team after qualifying because you smoked some dope. And I want to kind of get your opinion on that down the road. And there's a couple of things as well. But and so there are a lot of things. And so, Coco, uh, we'll start off with uh, your 4th of July. Uh, you cooked lamb. Is that what you did on the 4th, or was that another meal? So, yeah. Okay, we are having uh, some some issues here. So, uh, hopefully, uh, Coco, if you can call back in and say we can get you I'm back I'm here. On. Oh, you're here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I thought you were off. I mean, okay. All right, you didn't respond, no, so I thought. I am. Well, I, I'm. It's funny. It's of course this would happen at the wrong time, wrong place. But I had the maintenance guy over, um, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So first of all, we'll get to the maintenance guy and the adventures of bug. What was it? A water creature. What kind of oh my god! Don't have? even like I, I'm I I honestly am like seeing I'm seeing stuff now. I'm so skeeved. I'm so skeeved. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was because of the plumbing. They they come sometimes they come in from the plumbing. Like I keep my house like super super clean. Like we're both kind of like meat freaks. So the fact that like he saw one or like I I after he told me that I literally went to my bathroom to organize it. If that tells you anything <laughs> of how skeeved yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't like bugs. Hey. Oh, yeah. So what did you do for the 4th of July? Oh, boy. Well. Or the weekend. Of, how about the weekend? Because obviously it's you know, Saturday well, and Sunday. Well, I actually work, I, I, I worked Saturday. So I actually worked technically on the 4th of July I worked. Well, on the 3rd of July I worked. Um, But then 4th of July I was like, well, I'll take the day off, obviously, you know. And, um. We decided we, we wanted to go to see a movie because we haven't been to a movie since, like, um, pre-pandemic. So this is, like, the first time we were in a movie theater. Um, there was really nobody yeah. there, so that was, like, really great. Um, the movie itself wasn't that great, <laughs> which sucked because we paid, like, $70 for these tickets. Basically, they were, like, $35 a piece. Um, because the mm. chairs that they have at this, this theater, they recline and massage. It's an awesome chair. It's totally worth it. Um, mm. I saw 
Fast 9 from the Fast and the Furious series. Um, and I got to say, it wasn't that great. It was it was kind of stupid because um, I am a fan of the Fast and the Furious movies, and this one was just, like, basically made no sense. Like, the acting was, like, awful. Like, even for, like, Vin Diesel, it was awful. It was, I mean, he's not that great of an actor, but still, you know, I, it, it, was, it was just awful. And, uh, but I had a great dinner. We, uh, we toured Burbank, downtown Burbank, and we found that there are so many good food, food places. Uh, we went to the Boiling Crab. Have you heard of it, Tom? No, no, I have not. Go, go ahead. So the Boiling Crab, um, it's a thing I'll never do again <laughs> because you it's like it's it's Cajun food, it's like seafood and what happens is like you order like a pound of shrimp, right? And you have to peel it off yourself. So they set you a table, they have like, you know, the bibs um that they put on you, obviously, for so you don't get dirty. And I had to peel a pound of shrimp. <laughs> And that's not that's that's not easy, Tom. That's not easy. Yeah. They make it look easy, but it's not. Peeling, I mean, I mean, and then you had to clean the poop vein, and it was just like I was like, oh my god, I literally rather pay double to have someone do this for me, because not worth it. <laughs> but um, yeah. the food's actually pretty damn good. Obviously, it's like Cajun. I had I ended up eating. I had something I never had before, which is fried crab. It was like a fried Dungeon crab, and you, you didn't have to peel it. You just ate it like it was. So it was really good. Um, so that's what I did for for July. I just went out, um, celebrated. It was kind of weird. We actually, we have begun to start eating inside restaurants, like indoors. So that was a trip. Um, I haven't done that in quite some time. So doing that was like an experience. Like there's some places that I'm totally okay with eating indoors. And then there's some places like kind of grimy diners where I'm like, I'm probably going to catch COVID from eating here because it looks so unsanitary. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, there's certain places I will go dine in. There's certain places where I'm like, no, I don't want to die. So um, for example, like if I go to like, there's this, there's this like, rinky diner that we go to and it's good food it's okay food it's not great but like it looks so dirty Tom it like I mean we ate indoors because like uh we were meeting up with a friend of ours and it just looked like I'm gonna catch COVID any second because I I don't know how Mm -hmm. they clean like the restaurant what the restroom wasn't working so I'm just like oh god you know um but other places like you know uh, I'm so down to eat indoors again. I'm so happy. It's it's very yeah. different. It's uh it's rare. But um I had a good I had a good fourth of July. I, I didn't see any fireworks though, which sucked. Um <laughs> mainly because like I, by the time we got out of the movies it was already ten PM and people were like, I guess, stopping the fireworks. But then we got home, and it's, like, 11 o'clock, and I'm hearing fireworks blaring through my window the entire night. Like, I did not I, – I didn't go to sleep. I had to be up the next day at 6 a.m., so I got, like, three hours of sleep. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. So uh, – and I also think people are complete assholes who set out fireworks at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning. Like, why are you doing that during the day? Just don't. Yeah. That's annoying yeah. to me. 
But that was my fourth. How was? How about you? What did you do for your fourth, Tom? Okay. Uh, basically, I'll tell you. What, first of all, I celebrated three days uh, for the fourth because it started in the. Fourth. Wait. What? What? What, uh, what did you see? No, we celebrated three days in a row. Third, fourth, oh, and the fifth. Oh, I saw a movie. I was like. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did go to a movie that week. Uh, we saw uh, my what was God was it? my bodyguard, the hitman's wife's body. How was that? How was that? Did you like I could, it? Hey, it's, actually, I liked. It. I enjoyed. It. I mean, it's just like I mean, it was did really. Did it entertain kind of, you? Did Did it entertain yeah, you? It, it entertained. It totally entertained. Well, then, then it's good. That's good. I wish Fast and so, the Furious entertained me, but all all there was was like, oh, and by the way, I don't know where you live, Tom, but I went to the the concession stand. Like we usually buy, we usually go to this like Japanese candy store, like so we don't have to pay like fifty dollars for like candy and like popcorn. And people think I'm exaggerating when I say fifty dollars because then I went to the concession stand and I got a small freaking diet coke. And you know how much they charge me for that small diet coke? How much? Seven eighty-five. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, I know I haven't been to the movies in like a long ass time, but eight dollars for a small Coke. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I thought well, that was know, insanity. It was insane. Yeah. Well, I was so pissed. I was pissed. Yeah. Well, obviously, you guys charge a lot more for movies than we do here in Iowa. Well, uh, yeah. I so. mean, for the good seats, it's like thirty dollars a piece. Thirty-five, yeah. but I yeah. did get but 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 Tom, but Tom, you do get a reclining chair and you can adjust it how you want. So yeah. in well, that sense, if I'm going to spend like two and a half, by the way, the movie we saw was three hours. So if I'm spending three hours watching a movie, I want to yeah. be comfortable. Yeah. Well, hold on that thought. This is Tom Donaldson, Coco Conti here in the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Let's go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, you can listen to this broadcast anytime, 
uh, on the various networks, including StreamYard, iTunes, Spotify, Angle, and TuneIn.com. And also you can go on the BachelorNews.AirTime.Pro and, and listen to this particular show. You can listen to it every day, 10 to 11 Central Time, 11 to 12 Eastern Time, or uh, 3 to 5, 3 to 4. Again, uh, East, you know, Pacific, you know, Central Time, and 4 to 5 Eastern Standard Time every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro for the fastest growing. And if you want to be a sponsor of this show, Here's what you need to do. You call, you simply email labachelor40 at gmail.com. And also, a reminder, the Bachelor News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Bachelor, discusses issues race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, sports that affect black, brown, and poor people negatively. Listen every Monday and Thursday on this network, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And rebroadcast on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Just go in and check the schedule. Uh, and stay informed and listen to the Bachelor News Radio Network. Okay. Now, uh, here's the thing. I, I have to be honest with you. I have not seen a, you know, I, you know, a Fast and Furious since Paul Walker was killed.
and you know, it looks like we got Coco back on the air. Coco? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Oh, my God. It's a miracle. Um, I was talking about Vin Diesel um, and The Rock. Um, Apparently, they hate each other. And uh, whenever I hear, you know, an actor doesn't want to work in the actor, I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe they're both assholes. But I know for a fact Dwayne is not. Um, I know people who work with him very closely. Um, I, like, they, and they say nothing but nice things about him. Um, and he is a really nice guy. He's just like, he's a real sweetheart. And he, he's like the type of guy that if you work for him, it doesn't matter what you do, like whether you're a PA or you're just an assistant or whatever, he knows you by your first name and he'll talk to you. He'll rem- he has a, a, the sharpest mind and he, he will literally remember your name and he will always like be like, Oh, Hey Jack, you know, that's the type of guy Vin Diesel is. I'm not Vin Diesel. Sorry. The rock. Um, yeah. So whenever I hear certain actors that don't want to work with The Rock, I'm always like, well, they're probably a dick <laughs> because The Rock <laughs> is like one of the most genuine guys in Hollywood. He is just yeah. such a sweetheart. And he had that problem with Vin. And, you know, I feel like Vin Diesel thinks this was his franchise since when Paul died. And, you know, I mean, he is a producer of Fast and the Furious, Vin Diesel is. So, and he's yeah. not that good of an actor compared to the rock he's not like the rock is just really likable you know he's just like he had he exudes that that just likability that um you know people like you know and Vin, yeah. they, they, they everyone makes fun of Vin, and um i don't know if you saw hobbs and shaw but um yeah the I rock did. will yeah, never do it the rock will never do another uh fast movie um especially with the guy with Hobbs and Shaw, what's his name? Um, Statham. Yeah. Um, and here's a here's a really funny story. Why? Um, Jason Statham is. I, I mean, I don't know him personally, obviously, so I can't really speak on that. But I can speak on. Um, in his contract, um, that's it's the public knowledge. You guys can like look this up. But um, he actually refuses to work with The Rock if The Rock has more lines than him which is, like, ridiculous. So he's that type of actor, like, where if The Rock has, like, he needs to have more scenes in The Rock, he needs to have more lines in The Rock, and if he doesn't, then, you know, he walks. He's that, that type of actor. So that's, like, whenever I hear about people talking badly about The Rock or, like, you know, um, hmm. them, them saying, you know, like, well, he's just horrible to work with him. Like, that's, that's total BS. I know enough people in my life that work with him very closely to know that he is not a dick. <laughs> You know, yeah. Well, I the mean, thing is, very Steve, hard. yeah, yeah. Steve worked with him, didn't he? Because he was doing the editing for the uh, uh, the most recent, uh, you know, the most recent uh, movie, uh, Janami, whatever the Jumanji, yeah. yeah. Jumanji, yeah. Well, not just that, but um, he 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 was about to work on his TV show, but he couldn't do it because uh, schedule con- uh, conflict between scheduling. So he would have worked with him like three times, but um, no, he's he's just nothing nice, but stuff to say about the rock like yeah. he's just a genuine well, guy like he's the type of guy yeah. who will know yeah. your name like you know he'll be like yeah. oh hey you know and he, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't care what kind of star you are he doesn't care whether you're an assistant or whatever he's like he's a genuinely nice guy and i think that's what yeah. a lot of people love about him is that he's he's not fake like what you see on screen is him 
Well, let me ask you a question. Before you say the number nine, if, let's just say, do you have to see number uh-huh. eight? Because the, because Charlene Theron was, you know, she's in. Well, I, I mean, yeah, that was the thing. She's in like, number nine, uh, but she was introduced in number eight. Right, because uh, spoiler alert. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the movie's like three years old. I can say it already. And if you haven't watched yeah. it, I'm sorry, but uh, basically, she killed Vin's wife in the movie in the eight, in the eighth one, not in the one now. So that's that's like I actually kind of I loved her character. I thought she was such a bitch. I loved it. So yeah. um, well, she plays that. She can she can yeah she can play that real well. Oh, she's a great. She she's that. one of my favorite actresses actually. She's just yeah. fantastic in everything that she does. I mean, this is she. Remember, she played Eileen Waros um, in Monster. Like that's yeah, the same that's, woman. That's, that's the same that's, woman that blows yeah. my mind. Like I wouldn't gain sixty oh. pounds. Yeah, what was the movie? Mm-hmm. Atom- it was uh, Atomic you know, Atomic Hoplon or whatever. She plays the super spy. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's great. She was, she's, played, yeah. she's in a lot of stuff that I like. Yeah. She's a yeah. she's, she's I mean, versatile actress. She's very like yeah. she's not afraid to gain like seventy pounds for an Oscar. You know? Yeah. That's how she is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like her. Well, I mean it, it, yeah, like I said, I mean I have not like I said, I've not I didn't see seven, I didn't see eight, and and I guess I get to I wonder if you get to a point with a series like you know, Fast and Furious. Yeah, you know, where the side effect I mean the side not the side effect, uh the special uh, I'll tell you a secret. I'll tell you a secret. I don't watch the movies for Vince. I watch it for Ludacris and Tyrese. Yeah. That's who I watch it for because they are so great yeah. in it. I mean, I, I honestly think they made the movie yeah. because their scenes are so funny. They're so great. And they, they're they real. They're, it, it, I, would, I would tell you to see it because if you like action, I mean, yeah. obviously – the only thing I didn't like is that they, and this is like, I'm not giving anything away because like it's in the trailer, but they made John Cena the villain. <laughs> I hated yeah. that because I love John Cena. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so crazy. The action stunts were amazing. So if you're into like the stunts and you don't really care about a cheese story, it was like stupid. It was cheesy, but I liked it because it was like, well, it was just such yeah. action, such action. It yeah, made no sense. Yeah, those... Like the whole plot line. Like, this is a story like where I get I get very finicky about plot lines and like how how they how they hold up because I mean remember there are like nine of these movies already, so of course there's gonna be yeah. some plot holes in these like plot lines. So you know they're obviously yeah. that was total obvious, but um, I really yeah. like the stunts. I like the action. Yeah. It was. It was. Well, here, yeah. We, you know, now here's the thing, because like I said, there's this one theater. You know, one theater we have is uh, Collins in Cedar Rapids, and it's kind of. It's always been a discount. They used to. They began as you know second run movies, and the big, and they would like charge basically, you know, cheap price of tickets, and they're still the cheapest tickets in town. And the big thing they would have is you get, you know, butter pop. I mean, real butter. You know, they have this suspense where they have real butter for your popcorn. Well, and, unfortunately, I'm not allowed butter. Yeah. Well, they also have non-butter, uh, what they call cholesterol. Alone. I have no idea what it is other than As long as it's yellow. not dairy. Yeah. And so, yeah. and the thing, now they've introduced, like I said, they have their own. And we don't have massages, but they have those, chair, those fancy chairs where you can sit back, relax, 
watch the movie. Uh, I love those. They're they're, they're 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 like reclining chairs that are like, and they have yeah. like heat warmers. And then there's a thing where if you want to order food, you there's a button you press, and they'll come and like deliver you food. Yeah. It's actually pretty uh, cool. <laughs> I'm not uh, gonna lie. I get it. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a good point because I know uh, there's a Brooklyn, there's a a theater called the Alamo with the same thing. I mean, they literally yeah, bring you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They bring you your food and your drink. Uh, so you yeah, can drink exactly. Beer for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I know exactly what you, you know those kinds of things. Well, hold on, thoughts. We're going to be right back to Tom Donaldson, Coco Konski here in the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, if you want to call in with uh, uh, any comments, questions, or just want to talk about your Fourth uh, of July, you can call in at 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. You can also listen to this show anytime on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. And... and and you can just go to the schedule, go to this, uh, the programs, and you can listen to at your convenience. And don't forget, we're also on TuneIn, Anchor, SpotIn, and Intune. So, yes, yeah. So we got all those things. So we can do everything, any place. You can listen to this show in so many ways, you know. Because and you would want to listen to this show over and over and over again because we're that good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's like I said. In between when you were having your problems, you know, basically my Fourth of July was, you know, I said, you know, the third we had a you know kind of a nice peaceful, uh, you know, day. You know, my my oldest was visiting me, uh, with her cat, and so, and then the Fourth of July we went to Buffalo Wild Wings to go catch the Royals and watch some baseball. I had a nice hamburger. Uh, then, yeah, you love then Buffalo yes. Wild Wings, man. I gotta say, you love well, them. Well, yeah, I tell you the reason why I love it's not so much the food. Uh, you know, it's not so much. The I food. was gonna say, I was gonna say, Tom. I don't want to disparage them, but um, 
Yeah. Yeah. There's only the one reason I do it because in baseball season and in basketball season, if you want yeah. to watch certain teams, you got to go there because most bars, you know, they don't have the full package where all these packages well, that they. I don't know yeah. where. I mean, where where I live, they open like five new sports bars. <laughs> yeah. Like literally well, the, I mean, the same row. Yeah. Well, here's but the most I will. Bar, I. Yeah. Most bar, yeah. Most their bars. Drinks are, their have, drinks will get you drunk though. If you if you want to yeah, get drunk really fast, like it's a good place yeah. to go. Because they and they they, they put so much alcohol in their drinks. Like I literally yeah. had like two drinks one time over there. It was like maybe like, a couple months ago, and like I got yeah. drunk so fast. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. They overpour. The, in a, yeah, most bars will have the NFL package, so you can pretty much go to any most any bars. And see the NFL game, right? Of your but they actually have college sports. That's what they're known for too. So yeah, they have, uh, yeah. yeah. So basically, you can get any sport. Like they said, we watched the follow the, and you know, the the Royals. I got, I got to tell back. you, the Hawks are breaking my heart. The Hawks are breaking my heart right now. Okay, why is that? Why is that? Oh God, I've been watching every single game for the last week of them playing against Milwaukee and like you know. Yeah. And I'm just like. Oh, oh, come on! You know, well, you know, this, I, I, yeah, I tell you the truth, yeah, yeah. This this has been an interesting NBA season. It has, Mainly, hasn't it? Like our players got hurt, and Milwaukee players got hurt like the very next day. It was yeah. like well, it was insane. Well, say basically, this has been like survival of the fittest. I mean, you look at every team, like okay, the LA Lakers. You know, the Suns play the Lakers in, the, in their opening round. Anthony Davis gets hurt. And basically, yes. that that is the Lakers' chance. They're gone. Uh, Kuali Leonard right. is hurt. That takes care of the Clippers. I mean, you've had key players anywhere. Uh, the Nets, basically, you know, you know, Kyle Irving is out. You know, he, he injures his ankle, so... You know, you know, one third of the big threes out, and James Harden basically is playing on one leg. So in effect, you had, you know, Kevin Durant versus the Milwaukee Bucks in that series. Yeah. And, and the key element, and the key element to me is like Trey Young. Uh, you know, Trey Young, his injury to me, I think, changed the game, changed the series. Tell in Game Six, you know, that he was not playing. You know. That he was like eighty, ninety percent. He wasn't all, you know, wasn't a hundred percent. And I always thought to myself, you know, if the Bucks didn't win the game six, I just had this feeling the the Hawks would have won game seven because Young would have been. I think Young would have, you know, was based. You could tell as the game went on, he was getting better, you know, with his time and getting better overall. He just seemed like whatever injury he had, he was getting over it. But it was like a little bit too, you know, too a little too late. But I just figured, well, no, game seven, this guy would go off. If the Bucks don't win game six, they may not win game seven. Uh, I hate the Bucks. But, I hate them with all my life. I hate the Bucks. Yeah. I hate them. So, Tom, I hate yeah. them. But you know what was crazy? There was one player, I, got, I don't know if it was the Bucks or if it was the Hawks, but he smashed his nose, right? Did you see that? Oh, that was, okay, that was the Sun, Phoenix Sun. That was, uh, Oh, Delvin that was Brooks. the Phoenix Booker. Okay, I knew him. Yeah, Delvin Booker, yeah. 
Yeah, and then like two days later, he 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 had to wear that mask for his nose, and I'm like, dude. And then the next day, he took it off, and, and you can see hit. he did some insane damage to himself. Yeah, well, to me, yeah. yeah, like I say, this has been like the survival of the fittest in that series. The only major team, big sure. team that, that didn't have any series injury was the '76ers, and unfortunately uh, for them. Ben Simons just disappeared. I mean, he absolutely disappeared. I mean, the guy basically couldn't hit a free throw if he was in front of the basket. And uh, oh, that's and he just, me. Yeah. It, well, the, the thing to me is going to be interesting is because sometimes in sports you get these mental things. And I mean, literally, he hit thirty percent of his foul shots. The last three games, he literally would not take a shot. In effect, right. It was four and five on offense. And it's too bad. And, and it got to and the guy's a great defensive player. But the problem is you're in the fourth quarter. You don't play the you know, you gotta take the guy out if they're gonna do what they call, you know, if they're gonna just foul him just to get him on the free throws and get the ball back. And that's what was happening. They were you know, they you know, they you know, hacked him a couple of times just to get him on the free throws and they wanted to stop the momentum of the seventy sixers. It was too bad because Embed, Joel Embed has played a great series. He played a great series. Uh, right. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. And and I always thought to myself, this is the Bucks' last day. In my view, this is the best chance they're going to have winning an NBA title. I don't know how, whether or not Giannis is going to be able to play in this series. Oh, I hate him. <laughs> Do you see how much Steve got me into this stupid basketball game? Like, cause, like all he was doing was like – you know, we, we spend, like, we have dinner together and all that. And, like, every time it was the freaking Hawks game. And so, like, now I know, like, all the players. And I'm just like, oh, my God. But, yeah, no, I don't like that guy. I hate him. Yeah. I hate yeah. him. I was pissed. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, well, like I say, it's going to be a very interesting series because, you know, the Bucks themselves, even with John, you know, people tend to forget, you know, Brooke Lopez. Is basically uh, for the last three years of the Bucks, mm-hmm. he's kind of like a role player. Now he averages twelve points a game, but things like you got Giannis, you got Middleton, uh, and you got other scores. So he doesn't need a score. Right. When he was with the Nets, he was a twenty-point scorer. When he before, yeah. when he was in the Nets, he was a twenty-point scorer. When he's with the Bucks, he's a rebounder, and he's like a fourth fourth option. But but people tend to forget this guy was a twenty-point scorer, so he's good enough. To make up, I mean, he's not going to be John, but he's good enough to get you 20 points, get you those rebounds. And it'll be kind of interesting because uh, I think I don't know. You know, when you think of Chris Paul, you think of the State Farm commercial, right? No, and there's always that one. Yes, I. But do you know what? I love him in those commercials. Well, I do he's too. Funny. He's yeah. well, funny. Yeah, and what And it's always like you say, you know, the, the other guy was all. It'll turn out surprisingly good. <laughs> and I thought throughout all of this, the playoffs, it just seems like, you know, when he's on the court, it's just like, you, I, I'm waiting for Jake to come on, to, you know, to come on, make, you know, come in, do play by play and say, don't worry, guys, it's all going to be, it's going to work out perfectly okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 those, so those commercials are hilarious to me. I I was just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. the the State Farm. Well, the one that got State was the, from the State uh, Farm. Yeah. Well, do you ever see the one where they have 
you know, Paul, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think it was Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, and they got uh, Chris Paul. You know, they're all yeah. Under. And and Paul Rudd happens to be the double for. Uh, yeah, Mahomes. and it, yes, that was hilarious. And then, of course, Jake's double is Drake. <laughs> I know. I was laughing so hard when I saw that one. He goes, and he yeah. goes, stand and don't talk. Yeah, stand and don't talk. That was hilarious. Crushes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, the little joke here with Paul Rudd and, you know, Patrick Mahoney is, Paul Rudd is from Kansas City. He's from Missouri. Oh. He's a He's a big Kansas City fan. He's a big baseball Royals fan. He's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. So, yeah. You know, uh, so basically, it's like one of those inside jokes. Uh, inside jokes. I think they're but, funny. Uh, I think those are so great. I honestly do. Yeah. I love these commercials. Yeah. yeah dude. <laughs> Absolutely. Didn't yeah. think I was going to so, talk about sports today, did you, Tom? No, you didn't. Yeah, this thing is surprising. <laughs> But it's when. Well, that's what happens, the, that's what happens the, when I when I when I end up with a man from the from Georgia, like it's all sports, yeah. all college basketball. It's uh, yeah. It's all Atlanta. Um, speaking of which, I have a funny story for you. Go ahead. Um, okay, so my uh, my future mother-in-law sent this to me. Um, uh, don't know why exactly, but she's like. She sends me this message, and uh, she's so adorable. I love her to death. But she literally um, sends me this article about sex swingers arriving for a sex festival despite COVID rules. And I'm just like, okay, Carol, thank you. (laughs) I don't know why she sends this to me, Tom. I don't. But apparently hundreds of swingers arrive for a four-day sex festival taking place despite COVID rules as guests enjoy naked singers, wet t-shirt competitions, and a mobile dungeon. Um, it was a four-day – It was an, this was in England. Of course it was. Um, they claimed it was canceled, but then it turned out it wasn't because there were, like, 400 people showed up. Um, it's called the Miss and Mr. Swingathon 2021 competition. Yeah. So this is in yeah. this is in England. It's in uh mm. in like a farm area in Lincolnshire, um, which is very uh very farmland. That's like what they're mm. known for. Um but apparently everybody had to take a COVID test before arrival, but um you know, they ended up like arresting people because like they obviously broke the, the, the COVID rules. Um, you know, they had, this is, this is insane. According to their website, which I'm reading right now, the festival features a BDSM demo, a sweet bar, an outdoor cinema, a clay pigeon shooting, because of course it's in England and a full mobile dungeon. Um, guests were asked to take a lateral flow test 48 hours before arriving to the event. Um, And ticket holders were given the location after booking and can only leave for emergency reasons, which is, like, weird to me. It's like you can't leave. You have to stay there, but I guess. Um, A man who actually answered the number on the phone says, I don't have anything to tell. I don't have to tell you anything and hung up, according to the Daily Mail. But, um, yeah, so this is what my mother-in-law sent me. (laughs) I just got a kick out of it. 
What do you think, oh, that's Don? To figure out one thing. Do they have to wear masks? If you're naked, I don't. I don't understand. But yeah, I don't know. No, like well, I mean, I mean, it was just like. Well, yeah, remember because I did the story and poor Lauren got all upset with me. I said because they had a naked bike ride in Philadelphia. And people were masked, well, and I thought to myself. I mean, like, I, I don't care. Like, I've gone to nudist camps before. Like, they're fun. Yeah. But, like, I feel like, you know, yeah, like, you yeah. Should, like I, I totally, I mean, I, if you're around I mean, 400 people, like, I would think you would want to wear a mask if you're enclosed with 400 people. But, yeah. again, I would never go to a sex swinging club. So, um, yeah. I would Well, hold on that thought, yeah. Hold on that thought. It's Tom Donaldson, Coco Kanske here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're talking nudity, we're talking sports, we're talking it all. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. Yeah, okay, this is Dom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, and the Bastion News uh, Radio Network. Uh, you can, we also have a online, bastionnews.airtime.pro. You can listen to this show and other great shows. Uh, for example, you can listen to You and the Law, which follows this shows on this network in which Chief uh, Virgil Green and Keith Humphrey talk about how the law affects people of color and what your rights are. You and the law and Locker Talk with Barry Bonds, where you can hear about the NFL stars of tomorrow. And don't forget the Resistance Hour Dr. Larry, which will follow my Donaldson, the Wednesday edition of the Donaldson Files tomorrow here on the Bastard News Radio Network. So tune in, listen, and be well-informed. Okay, now we were uh, – all right, a couple of stories here. Uh, then, uh, then I'm going to ask your opinion on one story, uh, so I'm mm-hmm. going to let you rant and rave and uh, defend this individual. And I'll even let you do it. Okay, first story. This sounds crazy. Thousand Klein Indonesia Volcano for Annual Sacrifice. Uh, thousands huh. of active Indonesia volcano Saturday morning, last Saturday, this Saturday morning, to perform a century-old sacrificial ritual. You know, they basically put livestock food in this crater. Uh, it's And basically it goes back to the 15th century where uh, a princess and her husband were unable to conceive. The gods agreed to answer their prayers with 25 children, as long as the youngest was given to the volcano. It said that the huh. 25th child leaped into the crater on his own free will to secure the, the future of the family. And then after that, they do this every year where they just basically throw in all kinds of things. 
uh, you know, yeah, money. You know, I'm not going to make fun of somebody's culture and what they do. Like, if that's what they believe in, you know, um, I, I, yeah. I know Indonesia really well to go, like, at least once a year uh, to Bali. Um, but I've actually never heard of that. I mean, they, we do, they do have festivals where they appease the gods, and um, I've actually taken part in some of those festivals, but I've never actually heard of someone, like, actively sacrificing. Like, I've never heard of that yeah. before. All right. Now, here's the other story I want to get into. Uh, the Shaw Karee Richardson story. For those people who are not aware, uh, she qualified. She's a sprinter qualified for the yeah. Olympics. And marijuana is still on the list of prohibited drugs. So she had so some stupid. dope. Now she, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know what? You know, you know what? I'll, honestly, like, I'll give you my opinion right now. You know, it was okay when Ryan Locke did it. You know, it was okay when, you know, uh, other people have did it that were not black. Um, Ryan Locke was pictured with a bong and uh, it was like tested positive and like, you know, he didn't really get any, like, ridicule as much as this girl did. And let's be honest, people grieve in different ways. This, this is a young woman who yeah. lost her mother. Her mother right. died, like, very quickly. It wasn't, like, a year ago. It was, like, literally a couple months ago. And for weed, what is the um, – um, the, only, the only time the enhancement for weed will be if there was a freaking piece at the end of the line, okay? That's yeah. it. Weed, I mean, if this girl can run like she runs and is still smoking weed, like, Jesus Christ, she's insane. She is a powerhouse then because I'll tell you, when I smoke weed, all I want to do is go, is go to sleep. That's all I want to well, do here, yeah. weed. Well, so here's, the, yeah, but here's the thing. Well, so here's to me, it's a story. The, to me, the, the other story comes into play is that, you know, this has been on the list of prohibited, but it's almost as if, you know, you know, sports, you know, the Olympics ought to catch up to what's going on legally because a good portion of the developed sure. world, marijuana is legal. And yeah, certainly I she mean, was where in she smoked state, it, it was legal. Where she was smoking yeah, it, it was legal. It's, yeah, so, legal. So, I, I mean, mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so it's one of those things where, you know, there's, <laughs> I, I have to, you know, I have two emotions. I mean, there's a part of me that was put it this way. I've been an athlete. I was in college. I was in college athletics. And one of the points that, uh, you know, we always remember, I always remember is we had rules. It had nothing to do, you know, with legality or illegality. You know, our coach was basically saying, if you're in the season, here's a list of things I don't want you to do. Don't embarrass the team. He basically said, I don't want you drinking out there. I don't want you doing this, doing that. So, you know, basically you came down to is, we find a place to be good citizens and stay off the booze. Uh, and, uh, but that's the rules. You sign up through the rules. On the other side of the equation, you know, you know, it's one thing if you have a set of rules saying, okay, we want, we don't want you guys partaking in this while you're competing with the Olympics. On the other side of the equation, this should not be a prohibited drug at For this sure. stage of the game. Oh, I totally and agree. That's, yeah, and that's the problem. You know, and that to me is. Look, I mean, I like I say, you know, you know, I mean, I, as you say, I mean, first of all, number one, marijuana is not the drug you want to use that's going to enhance performance. Oh, the God, only thing no. it is, it just makes you hungry. It's the only thing it enhances. The only thing it enhances is your hunger. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's, it's you know, like a big ass pizza on the end of the finish line, Tom. 
Yeah. You know? Well, that's, that could, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, like I said, so this is one of the things. I think, quite frankly, you know, these you know, sports ought to be caught up into, you know, what's going on in the rest of the world. Uh, and so, and, and I, I say, uh, uh-huh. And, and so I agree. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. The woman earned her spot on the team. For sure. Uh, you know, she did what she needed to do to qualify. Now, if you mm-hmm. catch her with steroids and a performance-enhancing drugs. Well, right, uh, obviously. obviously. That's a different story. That's a different story. Uh, but this. You know, it it's just kind of smack. I mean, and one of those things where, you know, you know, that, you know what, guys, uh, get get with the program here. It, you know, we've had this. You know, it's uh, it's not a performing enhancing drug. You're not going to become a better athlete because of it. You most likely will basically not become a better athlete. So, uh. Yeah, and so basically that is what. Uh, yeah, so now basically that's uh, you know the you know, way I would say it right now. Uh, I look like we're going to have you for two or three more minutes. Yes. Uh, so before you do, there's one story I know you didn't want to talk about, but I'm going to make you talk about it. Uh, I don't want to talk about. It. I mean, uh, if, it, if it's a progressive, I mean, okay. Can I can I just say something before you even mention this? Yeah, go ahead. I, I can I cannot stand the social progressives. Like I mean, honestly, they do anything to drag Kamala Harris's name. Like they do, you know. People like Sean King. Sean King is like the biggest scam artist there ever has been. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. it was like so. It's just like yeah, like they're, I I expect it from conservatives, you know, whatever. But. Um, it doesn't shock me when I it, it shocks me less when I see it from like progressives because they've been so anti Kamala Harris for so long, and it was it was just it's just stupid. It's stupid. You know what? I, yeah. I think she's doing a great job. I liked her in California. She was here in California. I like her as a person. Um, I don't always agree with everything she does. Of course, I don't like. I don't agree with any, almost anybody with anybody like that. You know, but I think it's like it's so stupid of the progressives to just keep dragging her for just just stupid crap. And I think yeah, you know yeah. people like Sean King and people like um, what's her name, uh, Omar Ilar or whatever the hell her name is. You know, oh. they're always the ones like dragging her name, posting these articles, doing these stupid ass YouTube videos, and you know it, it's this become like I don't know any center democrat like center like me who who likes any of these progressives they don't like it's just it's just well, total well, bs well let me ask you one quick question here before because i know uh i know you got to attend because steve has got some back issues that you got to attend to real quick from the administration this is coming from inside the biden white house so I my question i don't you, i don't believe it I, do. I, mean, you, I, I, I can give you a source, and I can say like blah blah blah. This is this this is what's yeah. happening. It's coming in from inside the White House. Like, does well, it mean it's true? I don't find out, but you know, here's the thing. It, it just seems to me, political is making it clear. These other people are making it clear. They're getting this information from inside the White House. Now they have anonymous sources, which I hate. 
which I think is unprofessional. If you're going to have sources, and we at least have one source that goes on the record, which they are not, but it tells me somebody is stabbing her in the back. And, you know, stabbing her in the back in the administration. That's my theory. That's my thinking, and that's the way I'm viewing it. Somebody stabbing her in the back, and I was just kind of curious. If that's indeed the case, who do you think it could be? Is this like a power struggle between those on the hard left and those in the middle? And she just got mm-hmm. caught in the middle? No, I, I, I just threaded by her. I honestly do. I really, I really truly believe that. I believe they're threaded with her because she is a black woman. She is a woman, the first woman vice president. And I think a lot of people want to drag her down, drag her down based on that. Yeah. All right. I'm just curious because this is coming from the, the, the hard left side of the equation. This is not us. Yeah. The hard left, Donaldson, the progressive. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, so I, this I, is, I don't believe a shit word about the progressive say at this point. They just, that's all they do is like they, 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 they thrive on dragging her down, and I've seen it. They do it more so than conservatives at this point. All right. Well, like I said, this is an interesting point of view because I wanted to get your view on that and get how you were thinking about this as somebody who's not hardly on the hardcore left, more, I would say left or center, with a little bit of a libertarian twist to you. Uh, you still have that libertarian side of you. Uh, but I wanted to get, get your views on this. Um, so uh, you, do you have to go now? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm here. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Well, we got about five minutes left, so I didn't know whether or not you got any more time. All or... right. Thank you. Well, thank well, you. We'll take you care. Have well, a great weekend. This is Tom Donaldson with uh, Donaldson Files. We still got about uh, five more minutes. I'm going to do a couple of quick stories here uh, that I want to kind of follow up on. And like I say, um, now, basically, the other story is this. Okay. Now, this is one of those stories where, again, you don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, or let's say, you know, today's conspiracy theories becomes tomorrow's truth. Uh, and I know, okay, Tucker Carlson went on the air and said, you know, the NSA is coming after me. Now, again, I, I'm not going to sit back and say it's happening, it's not happening. You know, 10 years ago, I would have dismissed this story. 10 years ago, I would have said, okay. If somebody came on the air, I would say Alex Jones territory. Today, I'm not so dismissive anymore. You know, I, you know before I did the show, there was a couple of, uh, you know, stories that basically, you know, popped my mind. Uh, and so I went back and did some research you know, basically over the last several years. So just to show you that, A, this is not something that, you know, is out of the realm of possibility, okay? The week, several years ago, where, and basically came down to this, the Associated Press of Money. This was, sorry, January 2015. This is the Obama Five years revealed that the Department of Justice secretly spied on Associated Press reporters obtaining two months' worth of telephone records in an attempt to crack down on internal leaks. Now, 
the point I'm going to make here is that, so this has happened, all right? You know, this has happened. Uh, there was another story that came on, and this was, uh, okay, in Yahoo.com. Yahoo.com. And basically, the story is Obama administration spied on Fox News reporter James Rosen. And and, and basically, the, the opening, again, this was a report. This was, okay, the Justice Department spied extensively on a Fox News reporter, James Rosen, in 2010, collecting telephone records, tracking movements in and out of the State Department, and even seizing uh, his emails. So, you know, when you listen to these stories anymore, is as if, you know, there's a time and period I would have said, no, this isn't going to happen. I can say, if you had given me this story 10 years ago, I would have dismissed it. If you give me this story today, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not saying that Tucker Carlson is being spied on by the NSA, but I am going to say, Abilities exist that indeed it's happening. You know, we have seen the RAS be used against political organizations over the past several years. We have seen certain states, like the state of Wisconsin, you know, I can tell you right now, which I have. And I, by the way, I know people who were involved in many of these cases, who were, let's say, victims of the Internal Revenue Service, who was a victim of what the state of Wisconsin did when they went after uh, supporters of Scott Walker for what they call the John Doe investigation, where they literally raided people's homes, took computers, looking for, quote, unquote, violation of campaign laws. That's what they were, quote, unquote, looking for. And so these are things that have occurred over the past decade. And I guarantee you, if you go beyond Let's say the 10 years, you can find other stories as well. Now, tomorrow night, I'm going to rank the presidents. We're going to do kind of an, an additional ranking of the presidents. And But tonight, I'm going to say, so tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, this is Tom Donaldson saying good night. Welcome, everyone, to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that everyone is able to tune in and join us uh, for another episode of the podcast show. Um, we have a special guest that's going to be joining the podcast show today, and um, me and my co-host is looking forward to hearing uh, 
hearing his information about his research on the uh, on the rise in violent crime. So, uh, Chief Swag, brother, how you doing today? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Doing good, man. Man, I'm 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 uh, ex- excited to to have on uh, somebody that that you uh, ha- have met and uh, is working with in uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so, um, won't you introduce? Uh, our guest, um, Mr. Edmund Davis. Well, Professor Davis is a. Uh, we have become really good friends. Um, we're like brothers. We've become brothers. Very passionate about his research when it comes to uh, African American men, uh, especially when it comes to determining causative factors in violence. Um, against African-American men and also being committed by African-American men. So he works, uh, he's a professor at one of three historical black colleges in the city of Little Rock, um, Arkansas Baptist College. And at one point, Arkansas Baptist College uh, had more, uh, the largest number of African-American men. If I make no mistake, I'll, I'll let Professor Davis talk about that, but it was it's heavily populated with African-American men. And so uh, he'll tell you about his research and why his research is so uh, dear, to, dear to his heart. And um, But he's working with the uh, Little Rock Police Department on numerous uh, initiatives, a ceasefire initiative, a quarterly community meeting. And uh, he's a graduate of Grambling University, and he's a member of Groove by Groove. I just wanted to throw that in there, Edward, if you uh, <laughs> admit that you're a member of Groove by Groove, and uh, has a, a, a beautiful wife and a son. He's also an entrepreneur. So uh, without further ado, my good friend, and uh, I think we mentor each other. So I'm a mentor to him, and he's a, and, and, and I'm a mentee, and he's a mentee, and I'm a mentor. So we, uh, we, we, uh, we feed off each other. So Edmund, if you well, go right, right ahead, man, take, take it from here. Well, definitely, uh, I hold those remarks in high esteem, Chief. So I'm, I'm honored to be on this uh, podcast. I'm thankful that I'm, I'm in the same category as, as you both. And so I want to first and foremost give God all the credit and thank him for aligning all this up the way it's supposed to be. And, of course, um, you know, my, my, my teammate for life, my wife, she's been uh, exceptional, kind of helping me out when it comes to research a lot of people don't realize that, you know, I have a team working. And, of course, we're partners with the Little Rock Police and, of course, other agencies as well. But um, definitely uh, when I go home, I try to de-stress and shut it down. But uh, my wife, she keeps me up in a positive way. She keeps it going and, and makes sure my uh, criteria is in place. So she's listening. Uh, baby, I love you and thank you. But, yes, um, I'm the director of the Derek Olivier Research Institute for the Prevention of violence at Arkansas Baptist College. And one thing that Chief did note, um, we have one of four HBCUs here in the state of Arkansas. And uh, that number, I think he mentioned earlier, you know, we're the uh, only school in the country, and I'll say that real slow for all the listeners, we're the only college slash university in the entire United States of America where at a co-ed school, you have the majority of the student population is 63% African-American males. Now, of course, wow. uh, you, can't, you can't get that at Penn State, UCLA. Nowhere you can get 
that percentile, of course, per capita speaking, that many African-American males in the classroom that far outnumber African-American females. And so uh, that's the uniqueness at Arkansas Baptist College. And so, of course, it does line up with uh, what we're researching as it relates to um, finding ways and methods and strategies to help other programs mitigate homicides. So, of course, um, ABC is in a good position from that standpoint. And so definitely uh, we've got our work cut out for us. But, um, you know, what other school would we want to use where we have 60-something percent of the student population at Arkansas Baptist are African-American males from Chicago, mm-hmm. from Louisiana, Memphis, all over here in Little Rock primarily. But for the most part, you know, we have an interesting uh, conglomerate from that standpoint. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's unique, and uh, I love it. We've got our work cut out for us, obviously, but um, I believe we're in the right place at the right time. Well, good. And, you know, I, I just like to add to that, you know, that uh, especially when, you know, I don't think a lot of people really talk about uh, the HBCUs and, you know, Arkansas has several. Uh, we only have one in, in Oklahoma, uh, which is Langston University. And, right. you know, uh, Professor, it's it's surprising to hear you say how, you know, where these students are, are, they come from, from across the United States, because just like at Langston, you have people that come from Chicago, Detroit, they come from L.A., uh, but they choose HBCUs, uh, right. and so that that speaks a lot about the the academics of the HBCUs and what they bring to to the African-American uh, community. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I believe, of course, get back to what Chief noted, I'm a Grambling State University uh, graduate, and, you know, I've been I've HBCU all throughout my blood, and, and I've attended actually a PWI as well. You know, I went to uh, Louisiana Tech University. There was the majority Caucasian, and I was the minority in that at that, you know, university. But at Grambling, it was a little bit different, obviously, and now at ABC, you know. So um, I've got the best of both worlds, and I think it's uh, you know, it puts us in a in a unique category to where we can make a compliment or make a comment about you know what it is and what you think is going on, and so of course uh, whether it's with Latinos or African Americans or Caucasians or Anglo Saxons, so you know we definitely want to have that well versed background, and so um yeah. It has the platform, yes, but but the HBCU is uh, is always in style, and these schools are not going anywhere, and uh, definitely um, we're, they're needed, definitely, definitely needed. Yeah. So, Professor, what got you into doing this research about violent crimes uh, in Central Arkansas? Say that one more time. Uh, so how did this come about with your research uh, into the violent crimes, uh, in particular in central Arkansas? Because I picked this up, uh, I was just so happened to uh, Chief Humphrey sent me some information about uh, uh, the uh, female officers in Little Rock. And down below there was another article about you uh, coming together, meeting with uh, officials in Little Rock and Little Rock Police Department. And, and talking about, you know, the uh, the research that you uh, have 
that you're working on. So let our listeners know, how did this come about with you uh, looking into this research uh, on violence in central Arkansas? Sure. Well, it started uh, on the 27th of uh, September 2012. There was a young man by the name of Derek Olivier. He was a first semester freshman from South Louisiana. And uh, I want to acknowledge his mother, Mama Alma Olivier, and also his dad, uh, Mr. Joseph Olivier. Those two, of course, being integral in his life at that time, Derek, they asked him a question, Derek, that is, and said, hey, you know, son, you're going to go to college or you're going to go to the military? And Derek's response was, well, um, I don't want to get shot, so I'm going to go ahead and go to college and uh, major in and, you know, a major, and then, of course, play, you know, football. And so, of course, yeah. uh, we hey, got professor. up here two months later. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, I just realized we're coming up on our first break, and I don't want to get too far off into the conversation, but we're going to take this break, and we come back. We'll get back into the conversation. Uh, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Pro, so you can catch us live as we speak, uh, and uh, you can also uh, tune in at uh, 646-929-0130, and the chat room is open, so if you got a comment or a question for, for us or for our guest, uh, Professor Davis, uh, leave those in the chat room, and we'll get those, and we'll uh, get those on air, but uh, uh, we're definitely honored to have uh, Professor Davis on the uh, podcast show with us today, uh, he's a he's a uh, professor in uh, in, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and he's on uh, talking with us about um, the, the his research on violence in uh, Central Arkansas. So, uh, Professor Davis, uh, welcome welcome to the show, and uh, you know we definitely thank you for taking the time out to come on to talk to us about your research and um, where this research is going. But prior to the break, you were uh, telling us about um, uh, the uh, how this came about. So we'll just yes, kind of pick up from where we left off at. Thanks a lot again, Chief Green. Yeah, so uh, Derek Olivier, he was uh, the first semester freshman who attended Arkansas Baptist College back in the fall of 2012. And uh, 
you know, his mother and father gave him not necessarily an ultimatum, but said, hey, you know, you can go to college or, you know, you can uh, go to the military. And he referred to coming up to Little Rock, Arkansas, to playing football and to major in the, uh, in the, in the area of concentration he wanted to major in. And so uh, he did well on the football field, and he was excelling academically in the classroom. And so uh, it's what we would call academically swag. Derek was swag. And so, uh, you know. He's got that cheap said, swag well, stuff. Yes, exactly, swag. <laughs> and it's an acronym for us. Uh, you know, students with academic gains. So when we talk about swag, we try to, you know, make it relevant, make it make it godly and make it proficient. And so, you know, definitely. And so uh so so that's what Derek was. He was swag and uh he was uh changing the tire across the street from the campus on that fateful night where he uh, lost his life. An unknown assailant just uh I think he had a white T shirt on if the video we're uh, present right now. I think it was there, the white T-shirt. This young man just uh, let off about three rounds. I think it was a nine millimeter handgun, and it, you know, hit Derek in the back three times, and he, you know, of course, succumbed to his injuries just across the street from the campus. And so, well, coming back onto the campus was where he's lost his life. And so, um, at that time, the president of Dr. Fitzgerald Hill, you know, he was the one to uh, make the green light and say. You hear your son talking to Mama Alma and Mr. Joseph Olivier about how their son's name will not be in vain, and uh, this will be an initiative. This will be a pretty much a movement. And so, of course, here we are almost nine years later on, on that same tune. And so, of course, um, you know, we have a number of what we call Dorians in place. These are students at Arkansas Baptist College who are helping. It's not just me doing uh, research I've got, of course, other people in place, and uh, the students are pretty much that example, that shining light when it comes to uh, looking up things. We call it DORI, the Eric Olivier Research Institute's Facts and Data. And of course, we have a Project 45 where the whole idea, Chief Green, is we're trying to bless young people, especially African-American males. The number one killer for African-American males ages 1 to 40 ages 1 through 44 is homicide. That's the number one killer throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So this is not just a Little Rock problem. This is a national uh, problem. And so that's pretty much what we're doing at Dory. No, oh, okay, okay. So, Chief Humphrey, uh, how has uh, the Little Rock Police Department and uh, Professor Davis collaborated so far uh, to uh, bring awareness to the public about uh, about this research? Well, I think the first thing is we let, we gave uh, um, Professor Davis access. When I say access, we, he came to one of our CompStat meetings. And for the listeners who aren't familiar with CompStat, it's, it stands for Computer Statistics, and it's the data that police departments collect to determine um, what's going on in the city crime-wise. And so uh, all the reports, all the police calls that come in, it's placed into uh, a database, and then we're able to plot that information on a citywide map to determine where the trends are occurring. Uh, That's how we follow the crime. That's how we know how to deploy with resources and things like that. So um, he's one of the first uh, professors. Well, I shouldn't – I'm not going to say the first, but he's one of the few professors who have had access uh, to those type of meetings. And so he needed to understand how we were collecting our data 
And once he was able to understand that and ask him the right questions, then we were able to determine how we could help each other. So he's been a part of the CompStat meetings. Uh, he's been a part of our community, uh, quarterly community meetings. Uh, we've done two programs with him, uh, one for Father's Day and one for Mother's Day to recognize uh, the mothers and fathers who have been, uh, whose children have fallen victim uh, to homicide. Um, he, we participated in that. We've had a community meeting, uh, and we continue to work on our ceasefire efforts with uh, with Professor Davis and the university. And so our university sits right in the middle of our downtown patrol division, uh, which is one of the diver most diverse divisions in the city. And so to have someone academic uh, in the academic field actually work on us, you can pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, this is what's going on. But this is a gentleman. That, that will text me and say, hey, we're up to how many homicides this year? I'll tell him how many of those individuals are African-American males uh, or females. I mean, these are the, how many of the suspects, known suspects, African-American male, African-American females. This is a person that's continually thinking about, okay, what we could have done differently. What can he do differently? What can the, the Dory Institute do differently? And that's what we're doing. So, so many different uh, programs I've I've spoke. He put on. He had a uh, Martin Luther Day, Martin Luther King Day event. Uh, participated in that. So, uh, Arkansas Baptist College slash uh, Professor Davis slash Little Rock Police Department are continually working on efforts to 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 uh, make our community safer. Yeah. Well, I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, you can listen live to the show uh, or by calling in to uh, 646-929-0130, or you can listen live on the the uh, Bachelor News the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com or uh, to this important uh, guest that we have on the show uh, by the name of Professor Davis, uh, who has a, a really good uh, research. Uh, going on about uh, the violence crime that's not just occurring in Arkansas, but that's occurring across the country. So if you got any comments or anything, the, the chat room is open. Uh, please do so. Uh, but um, definitely log in to thebachelornews.airtime.pro or at 646-929-0130 uh, and leave us your comments uh, about this important topic. Because Keith and Professor, as you know, you know, Professor, you made a, a point um, that 100% of the homicides in North Little Rock are African Americans, and 75% uh, of, of homicides uh, in Little Rock are, are are black males, and in Pine Bluff, it's 100%. Um, and you know, I served as a police chief in Helena, West Helena, and uh, Helena is is about 100% where the the crimes that are committed are uh, are, are are by black males. Yes, yes, and you know those factors, and 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 it's the the, the blueprint for uh, I guess dispels all this out, and you know we we've labeled them down to about five of them. Now we don't know everything, but what we do at Dory is that we make recommendations, and so we analyze, you know, we collect and we track data trends to homicides, and of course we harness that uh, evidence, and uh, we make evidence-based best recommendations for programs to say, okay, well, this is what 
you know, according to our research, these are some key factors that we can help uh, mitigate the problems. And so whether it's in West Helena or, you know, uh, um, East L.A., you know, of course, when a, when a black man is killed once every one hour, every 1.2 hours in the United States by another black male, you don't hear too much about that. You hear about homicide. You hear about killings. But when it comes to us, you know, it's 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 beyond embarrassing, you know, having these conversations with people. Uh, most of them look like me, but the ones that don't look like me, you know, of course, it, it's it's, you know, you can never talk not too much about it. And so just saying that, you know, just knowing that um, the fatherless home, that's one of the uh, pillars to the reasons why we have these issues. And then the other one, of course, is, of course, unemployment. That's another one. And, of course, after that, 75% of all criminality comes from high school dropouts. You know, people don't necessarily want to have that conversation. And so when we're talking right. about the schools, you know, we're looking at, okay, well, what's going on in the schools? Not just from the educator standpoint, but from the board standpoint, from the district standpoint. What's going on? How are we uh, feeling our young people? Now, when it comes to African-American males, you know, it seems as if if it rains on others, it comes down even harder on them, on us, if you will. And so whether it's unemployment, whether it's, uh, you know, mental health issues, that's a real big factor that, you know, they're finally starting to shed some light on that when it comes to uh, these guys making these erroneous decisions when it comes to pulling these triggers. And I've got some stats Mm -hmm. right here in front of me. You know, we've got, this is 2021. We're at 187 days uh, in this year. Now, of course, we already have over 3,500 African-American males that have been killed by other African-American males in 187 days. So that's roughly about between 18 and 20 African-American male homicides per day, you know. Now, that's beyond – that's that's some third-world numbers. You know, when you look at it from all the way across the board, that's some third-world numbers. And and that's just like, you know, just this past weekend, you know, we – you know, so many people celebrated the 4th of July weekend. And uh, some information was just released uh, over the past 48 hours that, you know, uh, 150 people were killed in 400 shootings just over the the July 4th weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, 150 people, 150 people killed in 400 shootings. I mean, that almost sounds like you don't even hear anything like that in, in – and what's going on over in Afghanistan in in a war torn uh, uh, part of the the country? But that that's a lot of violence that is going on. Right. Yeah. I, I looked at that data too yesterday and the day before, and I looked at it again not too long ago, just several hours ago, and uh, I think uh, this is the sixth day of the seventh month of the year. And uh, already you've got, you've had, I think, um, 13 shootings, mass shootings in July in six days already. You know, yeah. yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, you know, hey, Professor, Professor, 
Virgil, we get, we have a few minutes before we go to break, or we get to go to break right quick. Yeah, we got to go to break uh, right quick, and uh, we come back. Professor uh, Davis, uh, you know, he, his time is kind of limited with us, but so let's take this break, and we come back, and we'll finish up with uh, Professor Davis. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I wanna feel the heat with somebody. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk Remind everyone that you can listen to the show live at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That's thebachelornews.airtime.pro or at 646-929-0130. And the chat room is open, and uh, if you've got some comments or questions, please do so. And uh, uh, T. Swag, we've got, uh, and Professor Davis, we've got Stan in Arkansas said that most of the violence in our communities is directly tied to a lack of jobs and positive um, recreation for our young people, and um, and then Steve in St. Louis and St. Paul uh, said part of the stopping the violence starts with identifying who is in the uh, suspect pool. So um, two great comments. We definitely thank uh, Steve and St. Paul for listening, and Stan in Arkansas for listening to you and the law. But Professor, I know your time is is kind of limited with us, but we definitely want to uh, let us know how long you can be with us uh, as we talk about this important topic of what's going on with the violence across, not just in, in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, in central Arkansas, but just across the country. Did he did he leave, Virgil? Hello? Uh, I don't, Hello? Yeah, hey, Professor, hey, Professor Davis. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know your time is kind of limited with us, so kind of let us know when you need to break away. But uh, I don't know if you heard those two um, comments from our listeners uh, uh, who stand and uh, made a comment in Arkansas where he said that most of the violence in our communities are direct are directly tied to uh, the lack of jobs and positive uh, recreation for our young people. And Steve in St. Paul said part of stopping the violence starts with identifying who's in the suspect pool. And um, and so, uh, which is some of the things you just kind of related to before the break, uh, Professor. Yes, uh, and those factors are correct. And we call those factors, those protective factors, where they're at a minimum now. So, of course, when it comes to employment, anytime you have a high unemployment rate, you know, the twin brother, the evil twin to that is, you're going to have a high criminality rate. And so, of course, mm-hmm. not too many times we see young guys out here, you know, committing crimes on full stomachs. Most of these guys doing these horrendous uh, crimes, you know, they're either hungry 
were starving, most of them, not every single one of them, but a lot of them, the majority of them, you know, they're hungry. And, uh, of course, they're unemployed. And, of course, uh, that free time turns into, you know, that downtime is, is not a good time at all, especially if you're unemployed. And so, and, of course, the other one, those after-school programs, I was talking to a couple of my constituents not too long ago to where, um, you know, they we went from, and I could be misquoted, 35 programs to about four or five programs. So that's a definite mm-hmm. uh, factor. And, of course, that's one of the protective factors versus the risk factors. And so we want to help combat these risk factors with more of these protective factors. And so uh, you've been talking about after-school programs and different types of uh, auxiliary functions that are in place. And then, again, we have to be more a little bit more creative when it comes to those uh, family protective factors. Of course, um, you know, having a positive social orientation that's a protective factor, you know, having high educational aspirations. Those are protective factors. So, of course, um, if there's a high high school dropout rate, you know, that's, of course, a problem. And so, of course, we want to have those kids, those young people engaged, highly engaged, highly involved. And, of course, the church, we can't be successful without our church. The church, of course, Correct. when you look at historically speaking, there's not too many photographs from between 1940s up until the 1970s where the church wasn't at the forefront. So, of course, we have to definitely uh, find ways of having our our clerics at the forefront because we can't do this, you know, without them, of course, uh, moving forward. So these are all protective factors that we need to meet back in place. And, of course, um, definitely our mothers have their hands full. They can't do it by themselves. And and I want to give a special recognition to a lot of the single parent moms that have been holding down and, and raising successful sons, but at the same time, you know, and I and me and my wife, we talk a lot. You know, I can't show a young lady how to be a girl or or a young girl how to be a woman, and neither can mm-hmm. a, a young woman show her son how to be a man. Some of them think that they can, and they've done great jobs. But you know, that's one of those things that where where we come in place, whether it's pastors, yeah. teachers, you know, uh, of course, all types of men that are in place. Well, you know, Professor, you make a good point about the uh, churches not really actively engaged and involved like they were back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and even in the 70s. Um, And, you know, this is no secret. I think historically people, uh, communities know that there's always a rise in crime during the summer. Uh, but we don't see any we we don't see any rise in uh, uh, cities making sure that there are you know recreational programs that are city sponsored or we don't see uh, local churches uh, coming together working with private organizations such as YMCA's or or local uh, uh, municipalities who do have some type of recreational programs. We just don't see that. And so, you know, it's it's almost as if we we know that there's going to be a problem, but we don't really get ahead of the problem to prevent some of these things from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it, it takes a what the term that we use in higher education, and my wife used it at the elementary level, the wraparound process and and Chief, both of you both know 
what that what that entails, you know, that wraparound yeah. process. And so, uh, you know, you can't lock up everybody. And, of course, you can't suspend everybody. And, uh, you know. Yeah, you to, can't have that, that that pipeline to prison uh, enforcement. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Well, I wish, I, wish, I wish Professor Davis had the time to to go back over the history of the statistics that he's that he's uh, collected from 19, what was it, Edmund, was it 1950, 19, I've got, yeah, you go yes, back I've got data, oh yeah, I've got data from 100 years ago almost, uh, but of course, yeah, but it, it was, as far as it relates, yeah, as far yeah, as it, it relates to the homicides, one, one group of, yeah, yeah, that's the one with homicides, yes, okay, yeah, I've got the, uh, the numbers from 1950, I believe it's uh, 1949, 1950s when they officially start keeping these homicide numbers uh, records as far as a national database standpoint. And so uh, just looking at between 1950 and 1959 versus between 1960 and 1969 versus between 1970 and 1979, and then just bringing it all on up to the 21st century, just looking at how it changed up when integration became what we call integration, you know, uh, and I and I know it's sensitive to a lot of people, and it may hurt some folks' feelings, but we have to tell the truth. And sometimes I'd rather be hurt by the uh, truth than hurt by a lie. When you're looking at these numbers as far as uh, African Americans and homicides, you know, of course we can't blame it on poverty. We lived in, in poverty in the 1930s and 40s more so than we lived in now, but of course we didn't kill each other. 85, 75 years ago at the horrendous rate that we're doing it now. So we can't mm-hmm. blame it on homicides and saying, well, we lived and we didn't have this and we didn't have that or the other. When you look at what happened 100 years ago, what we call Black Wall Street, many real, many don't realize that there was dozens of Black Wall Streets in this country. And of course, yes, they were burnt down. We understand that, don't agree with it, but of course, you know, looking at the crime and the criminal rate, and of course, how African Americans did not, I repeat, they did not take each other's lives the way they were taking them now. And of course, we lived in poverty. We lived in uh, in areas where we were economically suppressed, depressed, stressed. And so, of course, uh, you didn't always have opportunities outside of your own neighborhoods when it comes to that. But of course, Looking on the inside, from the inside standpoint, we did keep ourselves employed. And so, of course, now we all know that Little Rock didn't necessarily have, for the most part, town wasn't bombed or burned out for the most part like they did in in, in Tulsa and Greenwood section back in 1921. But our, when I mean our, Little Rock's, um, Little Rock's pretty much on Black Wall Street was the Ninth Street, and what destroyed mm-hmm. Ninth Street was the interstate was 630. And so that was yeah. just another way of, uh, you know, destroying the uh, economic and uh, the um, the monopoly that some of these African-American businesses had. And so, of course, yeah. as a result, you know, uh, and again, we didn't kill each other the way that we're doing now, just taking life senselessly. Because, again, once yeah. you identify with who you are, from a historical standpoint, whether it's in the 1970s, 
in the 1980s and the 1990s, you know, you value life a little bit more. And so those young folks back then, my dad was born in 40, 41. And so, of course, he talked about picking cotton and living in a segregated neighborhood in North Carolina before moving to Philly and before he met my mom and a child got here. But um, uh-huh. they didn't experience, uh, the, again, the, the horrendous crimes of uh, homicides. They didn't have it at that rate. Yes, they were killing each other for the most part. But um, when you look at between 1940 and 1949 versus 1970 and 1979, you'll see a 60% increase in homicides. Now, this is, of course, well after integration, well after um, that whole phase of uh, us being able to go other parts of town and work in other areas. And so, you know, that just kind of raises other questions when it comes to uh, business, when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to us uh, being connected or either disconnected from who we are as a people. And so uh, we have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And if these young folks knew about that, especially young African-American males, if they knew, you know, what their great-grandparents went through and who they are, okay, I think that would help change the tide in the trajectory of uh, some of these erroneous decisions that we're making when it comes to, um, you know, homicides. Yeah. Well, hey, Professor, we've got, we do actually have one question in the chat room about integration, but I want to get to Michael, who has a question for you, uh, Professor. Uh, Michael asks, how does young uh, leaders in our communities play into stopping the violence most that uh, most of it occurs with with our young youth. So um, I guess this question is, how, do, how does young leaders in, in our community, uh, how, how do they get involved to, to stopping some of this violence in the, in the communities? Uh, and guys, we got, we're coming up on our next break. Uh, and I know, Professor, you, you shared with me your time is kind of limited. So uh, we've got to take a break. Will you be able to come back and join us, or will you need to, to kind of uh, uh, cut out on us? I can answer that question before I head out. I've got another meeting that I have to uh, be prepared to, to uh okay to go to. But um to answer that question, I believe definitely uh you know, speaking and communicating effectively with your elders and other servant leaders and uh, also going to city meetings, you know, being involved as much as possible and then trying to include other young people in that whole process, you know, a lot of times, and this is through my experience, you know, um, I've noticed that um, there's not too many people, and I'm middle-aged, you know, the the next zero on my birthday, I'll be 50, but it just seems as if there's not a lot of millennials, there's not a lot of Generation Z folks attending these meetings, and so, um, you know, I think uh, that's, those are some of the interesting ways that we can help minimize okay. some of the negativity that we see, just being more involved. Okay. Well, hey, Professor, I know uh, we got to take this break, but, sir, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show, but we're going to have to get you back on the show when you got a little bit more time to definitely talk about the uh, the rise in, in violent crimes, uh, not just in central Arkansas, but, uh, but across the country. But we definitely thank you for coming on and uh, – Keith, we're going to take this break, and we'll come back. We're going to get back into this topic, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. 
If you're an African-American man, you need to know about oral cancer. Oral cancer is more common in African-American men than in any other group in the U.S. If you have a sore or lump in your mouth that doesn't go away after two weeks, see a doctor or a dentist. Most often, these symptoms don't mean cancer, but it's important to get them checked. If you do have oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked them tough questions. We decided that vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. Uh, and it's 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 very dis- 
disheartening uh, that for people to even think, and there are people out here that actually think, uh, Virgil, that this is just a way of living. Uh, this is a standard of living that this is what you should expect if you live in certain areas. And I've said this for a long time. That's totally unacceptable. But if if that's a person's norm, you know, how do we change that? And will we change it by getting involved? We change it by uh, holding our legislators accountable for creating, providing funding to create more jobs and more programs and things like that. Because, you know, just face it, like the gentleman said earlier, uh, a lack of programs, uh, a lack of um, uh, emotional intelligence, and I didn't say intelligence, I said emotional intelligence, uh, a lack of conflict resolution, uh, and also with a lack of who no one cares about me, uh, that, that, is a, that is a recipe for violence. And uh, I talked to a young man uh, not too long ago, and he basically said that. He said, you know, kids are bored. Uh, they don't think people care about them. You know, and if you live in an area which you don't have the updated um, playground equipment, you know, they don't have access to Internet, uh, a neighborhood or a community that doesn't have access to social services, uh, access to banks or grocery stores and things like that, uh, that that is a potential uh, that those are, those areas have potential to see increases in crime, and and uh, no matter how many police officers you have, uh, no matter how many um, people that you have will stand up. At the end of the day, policing and and gatekeepers are a temporary solution. Long term solution is improving quality of life, and, and those are things we we've got to get. We've got to do a better job of doing in this nation. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Keith, we, you know, want to get back to uh, a, a comment that was left in the chat room by uh, Michelle, and she said that uh, integration led to inflation, which is why our violence exists. And kind of something that uh, Professor Davis uh, addressed in his comments about uh, integration. And, you know, I don't think this is – Something that is often that is not talked about, um, uh, and how integration led to inflation, and how that uh, is still impacting uh, our minority communities, especially in major cities and in some, um, you know, uh, cities that are not major cities. How that is still impacting the black community some decades after and decades after, um, you know, integration. Yeah, um, I will tell you, man. It, she's, she's, you know, it, it's, it is a domino effect, uh, Virgil, and, and she's absolutely right. There have been communities that have never been able to overcome, uh, uh, you know, things like um, integration. Uh, they haven't been able to overcome that. Uh, but, you know, um, and, and 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 it may be some point where there's some improvement, but at the end of the day, what we're looking for is long term. Um, you, you kind of get tired of people saying things, well, that's a person's choice to live there. Now, well, some people don't have that choice. Keep in mind, there are, not everybody who lives in an area that may be considered high crime is a person, is a criminal. Uh, the majority of the, of the neighborhoods out here in the communities, there are people that work hard, people that, that are doing the best that they can. They're not criminals. But it's that old broken windows theory 
and I hate to use that because that's so old, but if 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 your area doesn't look as though you care about it, why should anyone else care about it? If 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 you, you don't have the resources that other neighborhoods where there is a perception of lower crime, and you don't have in your neighborhood uh, the the resources you need, why should I care about that? And so we do have to do a better job and. But stop pointing fingers at people all the time and realize sometimes the system is broken for some. Um, people do the best that they can. And that doesn't make excuses for individuals who are just out here committing crime. Because keep in mind, you have individuals that have all of the resources, all of the everything that they could have possible, money, homes, clothes, food, education, and they're still committing crime. So um, socioeconomic uh, status does not automatically make you a crime, just like being in a higher a criminal, just like being in a higher socioeconomic level doesn't make you not a criminal. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Keith, I, I need to correct myself on, on the uh, last message. Uh, uh, she stated that the uh, uh, integration led to infiltration, which is why our violence exists and not uh, where it was inflation-led. Uh, led to that, so I want to correct uh, correct myself on that uh, from from my listener in the chat room. Um, but it, you know, Keith, it's you, you know so many headlines you hear uh, about the American the crime surge. Uh, why is there a rise in, in violence? Um, you know, headlines like police chief confront a surge in, in gun violence. Um, you know, you you got cities that are bracing for, you know, the the violence in the summer, and you, you know, just this past weekend, you know, you had the the shooting in Atlanta at a golf course where they're trying to determine how did you know uh, several people on a golf course you know lose their lives uh, at the act of of, of of gun violence. So, you know. Prior to the pandemic, there wasn't really any uh, – I mean, there was violence, but not at the level that it is right now coming out of out of the pandemic. So, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to find the solutions as to why there is such a rise in, in, in gun violence. And it just can't be that people were just locked up and now people are coming out. It, it, there has to be some other uh, factors with that. Uh, you're, abs- you're absolutely right, Virgil. I, I will tell you that um, I, I, I truly believe there's a lot of work going on to to find out what the cause of this public health pandemic. It's, it's, it's a public health deal. It's, it's not just a crime issue. It's public health. The gentleman said it earlier about the programs and the funding and things. That's a that's a that's a health issue, a public health concern that we've got to, that we've got to figure out what we can do to to eliminate that. Uh, you don't when you go to a doctor, you don't go to a specialist um, just because you go to a specialist because your your primary doctor has found something that he believes that he's not. Uh, that he he may not be able to find the cause of it, so you send it to a specialist to find the root cause, and that's what we've got to be trying to. What we have to try to determine what is the root cause 
of this increase in violence? Or is it an increase in violence, or has this violence always been here, and just the fact that now it's everybody's attention because of the pandemic and everybody had a lot of time to, has had a lot of time to focus on certain things. But violent crime has always existed. This is nothing new. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We've got to address it. We've got to address it as a public health issue, though. Yeah, and, and I don't know if, if uh, so, Keith, uh, L.A. has a question. Uh, L.A., uh, good to hear from you, sir. Yeah, good to hear from you guys. I appreciate you um, giving me the opportunity. I apologize for um, being a little under the weather. Um, the, the, one of the things in the big cities, as you know, um, with you look, look at Chicago, I think there's a lot of black-on-black crime, and I think you guys will um, agree if you if you're in a predominantly black area, then Who's going to commit the crimes on? Who's going to rob the bank to do the, all the all the stuff? It's going to be predominantly the people in that neighborhood, whether you be black, Chinese, white, whatever the case may be. But Chicago's got 80% in terms of um, a high uh, crime rate on, on black on black and homicides. You look at places like L.A. and B. Moore and Dallas, St. Louis, Detroit, places like that, Memphis. Uh, it's an, an, an epidemic in, in a lot of ways. And part of it is, uh, some of it is that's not been mentioned, guys, and I'm sure you have to deal with it as police chiefs, is gang violence. So how much of the gang violence uh, plays into the violence, not just the guns, but just the violence in itself? And how much should former gangbangers, and I'm sure you know them all in terms of working with them in programs, uh, Humphrey, uh, Chief Humphrey and, and Green, that they would set up peace treaties or violence-free zones or anything like that that's going to help uh, stem some of the violence in our communities. L.A., I want to I want to chime in there. You know what? I think you brought up a good point. Uh, gangs aren't what they used to be. Uh, no, it used they're to be not. About yeah. red, it used to be about red and blue, and now it's yeah. about green. And and some of the members of those gangs that worked that were in unison with each other have crossed over to the other side so they can make more money and they turn on each other. So now there's really no such thing as gangs, they're cliques and associations. So it's all mm-hmm. about money. So even the even these these guys, um, these former members, LA and to the listeners that have that have been known as OGs, original gangsters, the ones that have served their time and they're coming back they can't even talk to these kids. These this this group of kids that we're talking about now won't even listen to the OGs. And so we as law enforcement and other community to those individuals to get some ideas on how to come up with new ideas to talk to this younger generation. But they are really good at uh the 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 members that of the former gang members who are really becoming proactive and and working in the community for to help um, reduce crime are really good sources of information because they know a lot of these kids are out here committing these crimes. They know a lot of their their fathers, their granddads, and things like that. And so there's still hope that some family component can cause some of these kids to think, have a second thought about some of the things they're doing and, and, and put down that, this, uh, these acts of violence and not do that. 
So they're they're very uh, they're invaluable um, to, to law enforcement if if we utilize those individuals the way we should. Yeah. Well, and I'll just add to that uh, before you know we're coming up on the last few minutes of the show uh, is that LA, you know, uh, just in Chicago, you know, there were a uh, hundred people shot, and eighteen homicides. There were uh, two police officers that were shot. Uh, you don't uh, hear like we used to hear in the late nineties about the gang, uh, the gang violence. You, you're just hearing uh, about the, the gun violence of individuals who probably are not even associated with a gang. Cause this, this is not so much over territory or, Hey, you're on my turf. This is just about individuals who some have a beef with somebody. And next thing you know, they're taken out on somebody. So it's not really associated with gangs per se. It's just more uh, associated with a group of young people who just don't value their lives or the lives of anybody else. And uh, so, you know, when they shoot a weapon, you know, unfortunately, innocent are end up in, involved in this. And so, you know, Keith, we've talked about, you know, youth programs, some of, you know, things that that used to exist that don't exist now. And so I think that's upon our cities, our churches, our organizations like YMCA's to really uh, get back to some of the basic things that were that we were seeing in uh, in so many communities in the 70s and 80s and, and 90s uh, because this epidemic is is just really uh, getting out of out of control. So. But Keith, man, you know, it, this has been another great show. Uh, we have to kind of uh, coming up on the end it, but uh, this is something we're going to definitely uh, uh, talk about again uh, between ourselves and our listeners. But we definitely want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, if you miss any parts of this uh, live broadcast, definitely uh, uh, go to thebachelornewsradionetwork.com and uh and listen to the show or go to blog talk radio blog talk uh radio network dot com and listen to the show uh, to our rebroadcast shows um but keith it's been a pleasure again sir and uh i may have let me put this out because i want to make sure i'm putting out the correct information to our listeners that blog talk radio dot com backslash l a bachelor uh you can listen to the rebroadcast shows and also on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, uh, you can check out our rebroadcast shows at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. But, Keith, it's been been great, sir, but you, you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. All right.
you know, I was I was wondering, you know, if you could keep on because the force is, it's got a lot of power and it makes me feel like it, it, it makes me feel like this. Oh! 